0: I wish I was 50 years younger you know, and I'd you kick here. your ass. You won't do shit do <laughs> that. There's something in your heart And to your eyes is the fire uh, Let's get ready to rumble! Ross, it's, uh, it's brilliant to have you on the podcast. So usually what I just do is get our guests to just give themselves just a quick introduction as to who you are and what you do. That's fine.
1: My name is Ross Munley. I am a... Graduate and a staff member of Dublin City University, and I guess outside of work and study, my interest primarily lies in playing sport and Gaelic football in particular. And my county is Leash.
0: Lovely. And I how we met was through the mentorship program at DCU. How did you get involved with this program, and it's really helped me. And your passion really translate through it. How have you, say, applied your own experiences to the program and to kind of evolve the program as you have, because it's a huge program now at the moment?
1: Yeah, so I'm very fortunate to have uh, started my professional career in DCU back in 2006. And since then, I've worked in, I think it's five or six different positions at this stage, But one of them was in the career service where I was working as a careers advisor. And under my remit at the time was the structured mentorship program, which pairs uh, second year students with graduates of DCU to work on, as you know better than anyone, that kind of transition uh, into, you know, the difference between student life and actually employment and kind of the professional etiquette. Side of things and how students would improve their CV, maybe run mock interviews, do jo- uh, work shadow days, and, and so on. So I was kind of the coordinating that. It was one of it was one of the projects I was leading in the in the career service at the time. Uh, then I went into a different role in DCU, and after that role, uh, I was um, I was given the role of. Director of Alumni Relations at DCU. And again, it brought that program back onto my radar because it's a program coordinated between the Alumni Office and the Career Service. So the Alumni Office sourced the graduates each year and the Career Service sourced the students. Uh, so it's it's through that that our paths crossed, I guess, because um, our... Throughout the recruitment, we would have recruited uh, Robert Kavanaugh, who obviously was your mentor, and yep. you being the mentee, and then you nominated him for mentor of the year. Yep. He won, and if memory serves me correct, he couldn't serve. He couldn't come to the. He couldn't come to the, to the final awards because he was based in London. But you yep. had gave the acceptance speech on his behalf <laughs> and uh, collected tr- trophy for him. So, yep. but a brilliant program, and it's kind of reflective of a lot of things in life that um, when you're trying to make your way uh, it's important to remember that there's people who've gone before you people who have who have I guess battled with some of the same challenges that's that you have battled and that it's it's always good to have a mentor definitely no matter aspect of life it's good to have a mentor so that's the essence of the program
0: yeah and and like we always go back to it I know I was chatting to one of my friends the other day and it's the It's going back to the power of people and what the program does at DCU, I think, is really leverage the power of people and the power of imparting knowledge, you know, because if you think of it, the most important commodity in any successful business, from, I think, anyway, is people, having good people around, having people imparting knowledge, you think from a chef, a good chef imparting knowledge to a commie, etc, that's mentorship, it encompasses a lot of business, life, society, so... It's great that you're yeah. you're putting in. No, you're right, on.
1: and and it's that opportunity to kind of share a tacit knowledge. Mm. When you're having the coffee, and um, sometimes it's very hard to document that when you're trying to share experiences of as a mentor, perhaps where you would have um, learned things in life and who you would have learned them off, and maybe different ways of tackling different situations. Sometimes it's nice to sit down and have a coffee. Uh, either in person or on zoom as it is now and just to kind of share your experience and share that knowledge Mm -hmm. and uh try and help the student and what we find more and more as with any mentorship relationship is that actually what happens is there's a a, there's an element of uh, reverse mentoring as well where the mentor learns tremendously from the student in, in the same breath so it's um It's a brilliant opportunity for both. Yeah,
0: definitely. And there's something that I like to ask a lot of guests, and I know you have achieved a lot in sport and in a professional sense. So what is your why? What kind of keeps you going? What gets you to say, I need to set these goals and I need to achieve them? For me personally, it's a a talking in sporting aspect. Sporting and uh, professional. You can translate into both, you know? Yeah, I
1: think... I'm very lucky insofar as I'm very passionate about education and I'm very passionate about sport. Mm-hmm. So to answer the, you know, what is your why? Uh, for me, it's it's about that. I really enjoy working with young people and I really enjoy uh, connecting. And obviously there's a challenge with in everything that you do in life. Every day you, you go into the office or you pull on your football boots, there's a challenge uh, waiting in front of you and and always looking at new ways to do things, trying to be innovative, um, trying to, I guess, uh, you've got your increment incremental innovation where you, you take what you did last year and you try to make it better, but also the innovation around throwing out things that are no longer working and processes and... Um, methods of doing things that are, are no longer efficient and coming up with new ways of doing it. So I enjoyed that challenge. I, I enjoyed it in work every day mm. and also enjoyed it in a sporting context because um, as a player, as an athlete, uh, the longer you, you stay playing and that you, you stay engaged in a high-performance environment, um, uh, your tools that are available to you or that at your disposal Uh, change over time and um, certainly in in my own scenario I'm probably not as quick as I was when I was 20 years of age but that doesn't mean that uh, I'll be any slower getting to where I need to be so that it's all about change and the challenge of that and reinventing and adapting Mm. that I guess what I really enjoy.
0: Yeah and going on to adapting and change you know now is a Massive time of change with COVID-19 and things like that. So how have you adapted to that situation? And also, along with that, kind of translates into it, is how do you strike up a healthy work-life balance? Because sometimes I go into things massively and it's trying to find a balance between being very passionate, being very into something, not letting it take over, you know?
1: Yeah, I'd say... First and foremost, tr- throughout COVID 19, I've been very, very, very fortunate. Um, I have brilliant employers. Um, my family have stayed um, uh, fit and healthy throughout. And so I've been, in terms of the impact of COVID, I've been very, very, very lucky. I guess I, I live in Port Leash, so I was commuting to work in DCU every morning and back home in the evening. Uh, I found first time in, in probably 10 years maybe a little bit longer that I was time rich mm. and the, the intercounty training collective stuff stopped uh, I was trying to complete my executive MBA in the DCU business school at the time so um again that changed that changed it went online with lectures I wasn't up at quarter past five in the morning I wasn't um, trying to get home for training in the evenings and so on. So mm. what um, What was where I was maybe spending three and a half hours in a car every day and maybe two hours, two and a half hours collective training, um, three and four or five nights a week when you include your weight sessions. Oh, having all that time back was uh, very energizing for me and it gave me a chance to... Um put my absolute all into the executive MBA and I have to say it was very 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 refreshing to be able to do all the training that I needed to do for leash uh, in the house because strength and conditioning coach Tom Hargroves allowed us to take equipment from the gym and um, so I was I had my own gym here in the house and um, where I'm living at the moment there's a there's a green area here beside me where I was able to do all of my running. So it, it amazing to be able to work myself to as hard as I needed to do and have it all done in 50 minutes yeah. without having to, without really, without having to get into the car at all. So I, I that's why I say I've been, I was very, very lucky through COVID that it was, it's on all of our doorsteps. It's, it never really, it never really impacted on, on my family as such in terms of people being unwell or anything like that. And been very blessed. And um, I can only imagine how difficult it has been for people, you know, who who have had it and who have maybe lost people and family members uh, to it. So um, I guess I would consider myself one of the lucky ones where um, I've just had to adapt to the guidelines and, and respect them. And so
0: on, and um, I've been lucky that I've been able to recharge and uh, energize myself throughout. Definitely, and you said something there that's very important. it's you are time rich, you know, because you think of a lot of intercounty players, including yourself, they have a full-time job, and they have basically a professional commitment, which is training. You know, um, they are amateur. You are amateurs, but you're training like professionals, really. So having that time back, I'd say it just really invigorated you, like you said, yeah, and it's a powerful yeah, commodity. Even, even on that, like yeah.
1: I'm a big believer in, at the end of every season, clear away all the leash gear out of the house. <laughs> I, I put it all into bags and um, move it over to my parents' house for whatever, four or five weeks, just to yeah. get a top mental break from it. And And one thing that I found really, really beneficial during the lockdown was uh, not just having a break from not packing a gear bag.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Even small things for me where it was the case, you just finish your day's work, go upstairs, change into your gear, in your bedroom and head off out and have all all the equipment there to trundle wheel to measure, measure out the runs and and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And it was just from that, I I really like doing things differently where, where you can just break the norm and and break it. Routine is brilliant. Routine Mm -hmm. is important. Mm -hmm. The structure is important. But um, I guess when, uh, like I've been doing it for so long, it it was just nice to be not packing a gear bag for for a change. And Again, I just want to highlight how lucky I've been throughout COVID. I can recall, like I can talk about the benefits um, throughout the lockdown of silly, minute details like that where, other people have been have been suffering, so um, I'm, I'm I'm very lucky. Yeah,
0: definitely. And with um, training at such a high level, and I train quite hard myself with boxing, and now with other things I'm doing, I really find that recovery is essential, especially sleep, nutrition. We all, I always say if you nail the little things, the big things will start to kind of come. So, what do you t- do for sleep? Nutrition. How do you nail the little things, and then moving on to the big things? Then,
1: yeah, you're so right, and you brought all that home to me when I listened to your own podcast about sleep mm. and talking about the importance of the eight hours and so on. Because uh, I guess yes. I've been I was doing the, the executive MBA in the DCU Business School for two years, and I had really found that it was difficult when. When you add in commuting as well, my alarm clock was going off at 5.15. Yeah. I was um, in the car at uh, 20 to 6, and I was in the office at 10 7, trying to do my my studies before starting work at 9, then getting through the day, being home for training, and putting in and getting the absolute maximum out of training sessions and some people can, some people can't. I find it hard to come home from training yeah. and fall asleep straight away. It takes me a little bit of time. So I was finding that on nights that I was training, I probably, by the time I'd fall asleep, it'd feel like the alarm clock was just going off yeah. at 5.15. And I was I was finding that difficult. Um, people talk about maybe doing studying and working and training. I talk about... Um, uh, I guess, um, managing your priorities and workloads and so on for me it was actually different for me it was about managing energy levels mm, throughout
0: yeah
1: and trying to make sure sure that I'd never go into what I would call my own red zone in terms of tiredness so mm. how did i how did I do that? Probably not very well from the from the sleeping perspective because i I had to be up at quarter past five otherwise I'd be stuck in traffic for so long. Mm. Then I'd miss out on doing my reading for the, for my course and so on. So, what I started doing was getting more power naps. When I'd come home, I I, I was never I wasn't able to get the eight hours sleep midweek. But what I'd try and do is if I was home from work, I would maybe get a half an hour of sleep in bed and then rock on out to training. Um, I got some. Uh I got some caffeine gels caffeine shakes that's I the chewing gums and I'd have them in my gear bag so going out training if every night of training that was my routine so that I'd have that little bit of supplements yeah. that give me the the caffeine and and
0: so on but You'd be flying I'm, flying around the place. <laughs> well I, would, I wish Yeah I yeah.
1: wish it's it it's I guess it's um, it's something just to keep to to keep you alert. If you've already if I if I was already up for um, whatever thirteen fourteen hours previous to that, and then I was going out to try and mm. to go out train. So for me, the little things then were, were all about eating and making sure that I wouldn't miss meals because you can't cut a, cut down on sleep and not eat. Yeah, uh, otherwise you. I, I, I would fall apart. So yeah. it was um, just remembering to be to be disciplined. And I looked at sleep over kind of the the overall amount of rest throughout the week rather than being totally focused on the eight hours every night. So if I could get as much as I ca- could at night before the 5.15 alarm, and then I could get my power naps and uh, maybe get the same or increased amount of sleep at the weekend. Yeah. And, um, but look, that it, it was something i had to do for two years i i um, if you want to work full time and you want to keep your career going and developing and i've always been a believer that playing inter-county football wouldn't um wouldn't hamper my career or my academic development so um yeah. i think applying myself across those areas and of course family life here at home as well um to do all of that, you have to have a good support um, network. And um, no. I'm lucky, my girlfriend D is uh, really, really supportive. And uh, for you know the, the achievements, the academic achievements, and all that, like we would very much see them as um, as family achievements because yeah. uh, you're only as good as your support network.
0: Definitely That's something yeah. I really believe. Definitely, they, re- they they say you know you're actually the you know they're a reflection of the five people you spend most time with isn't it you know Um it's a very powerful thing you say and I, I haven't really gone through this but I, it's good that you brought it up because I find surrounding yourself with them people that kind of push you on and, and kind of motivate you is very very important and sometimes even for me you know coming from maybe not the most <laughs> the best background at the start um, you have to cut some people off you know um, did you have to do that yourself? And did you find it hard to try and cut people off um, out of a circle? I think, maybe? I think uh, gener- uh, as a
1: rule, I, I, I kind of gravitate towards people who are very positive. Yeah. yeah. Um, and um, I'm, I'm lucky that my my best friends are, are people like that, that when I have a coffee with them... Um, I walk away from the coffee feeling right. I'm going to tackle. I'm to tackle this next problem and
0: yeah.
1: I'm to try and achieve that little little bit something extra in and training. One of my best friends is in, is is hugely um, hugely educated, uh, brilliant in, in the world of business as well, and um, very very successful in, in strength and conditioning. So mm. when we would have coffees every week, uh, I would always sort of skip away from those conversations, knowing. Okay, I'm gonna there's a there's a new level that I'm I can get yep. to of I've, I've maybe been introduced to a new idea and, and so on and for me that's what um that's what the power of of, of a network is and definitely uh, I've I'd say cutting people out probably not because they I, I the people I, I click with and and, and get on with are, are people who are I'd say generally on, on the same journey as myself anyway definitely. Um, and so I'm 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 lucky again you you talked about the you talk about the network that that surrounds um surrounds you and so on and I agree with you 100% of mm. that you, you could probably do another podcast on that alone because oh, influences and influences uh, are, are hugely hugely important both the people who influence you and also your role in influencing other people and um and that's not to say it's always good to have the people around you who can say you're lying or you're not doing things right yeah. there or yeah. disappointed with you. Yeah. Uh, I guess that's that's authentic leadership and that's authentic relationships that definitely you can have that honesty with people mm. uh, say that, you know, I, I think you're a better player than that, or I think you're a better, you're a better friend or you're a better, you're better in your job than that, or, or, or you can do better in an academic result. Mm. That's, that that's the power. That's the power of having authentic relationships with people.
0: Definitely, and just you know, you've uh, been involved in intercounty football for a number of years. You know, the evolution of it has been massive. How what what do you think is the biggest change intercounty uh, in intercounty football since you start to now?
1: I think probably tactics is the huge thing. There's I guess so many different ways of playing the game now where. Previously, when I first started off in 2003, it was kind of most teams were, were swashbuckling. It was 15 on 15. Yeah. Um, probably the most memorable battles in my career are from back 2003 to 2010 because you really just went one-on-one yeah. at your opposition. Probably not so much anymore because it's, it's about swarm defences and... People covering off space and holding positions and so on. So I, I am um, I'm, I'm really lucky to have had just some phenomenal opponents where I knew going out for seventy minutes it was it was me versus him and we were going to try and run each other into the ground and uh, and so on. So I think. The, that side of it the styles of play are different mm-hmm. the styles of play is the big, and the tactics is the biggest change because you got to be fit uh, the ball skills all stay the same mm-hmm. you got to be put your forward knock the ball over the bar create space for other people you got to be able to collect the, the ball first time collect the ball first time it means you might have that split second to make up your mind and to get a shot off or a pass off uh, whereas if you don't then you're going to be under pressure so I think the skills and physical attributes and so on have, have remained constant. Mm. But crucially, ha- how teams apo- or approach matches is different.
0: Yeah, and I know, I know you're t- uh, for time, Ross, so I'll just ask one last question. And it's a question that I love because, you know, I think everyone's been in this kind of situation. How do you push past moments when your mind is telling you to, say, give up during a training session, during, say, a study session, etc.? How do you just push through it or do you um, employ different tactics to try and get you through these kind of...
1: Yeah, and you know what, that's such a brilliant question because... Not just because it's the last one. <laughs> you
0: can't wait to go. No,
1: because yeah, I was, I was, no, I'm, I'm headed for the gym now myself. Yeah, so, yeah. I, but no, I'll tell you what, um, it's a brilliant question because I found, particularly when I was studying... So when I was studying, I was working, I was training and then equally as important as any of those things, but probably harder to prioritize because all the other ones have deadlines mm. is family life and given a lot of, um, a lot of time and energy to, to the people around me and so on. And We all have negative thoughts. We all have thoughts about is it worth it? Is it this? Is it that or the other? What I find really, really helpful is over Christmas, when everything is calmed down, there's little group training, there's little study, there's little work. um, I always write down my annual goals, what I want to achieve. And it's generally across four or five different. four or five different aspects of life and what I write down in that period of time where my mind is clear I know that those are the things that I want to achieve Mm -hmm. so that when things get tough and my schedule gets really busy and I'm trying to multitask and when the pressure comes on I know that any negative thoughts that I have around trying to achieve my goals are probably a symptom of feeling like I'm really busy, or feeling that the going is getting tough, and that small different things are maybe happening that um, that shouldn't be that shouldn't be maybe confusing my thoughts on things. So I always revert back to my goals and what, and and they're always very tangible, mm-hmm. um, and I know then that any of those kind of um, those little negative voices that you might get in in the middle of. A very difficult training session, or uh, an academic paper that, you, that I'm trying to write that's just not going anywhere, or if it's a very difficult task in work, I know that that's just temptation to say throw in the towel. Um, but if, when those things are related to goals that I set out at the start of the year, I know that it's a case of just dusting them to one side and just keep keep driving keep driving on through it. And that's what works for me because if it's if it's a realistic goal in the first place,
0: yeah.
1: and I write it down when my head is clear, mm. oh, then when the pressure comes on, I'm going to be working hard, despite how I might feel on it. Because you have moments where you feel great, you have moments where you don't, where you feel not so great, um, and you're probably never as good as you feel. You're probably never as bad as you feel mm-hmm. on the other side. And you know, so I find my goals keep me keep me on a steady path throughout the season, throughout the year, throughout the the busy spells. Um, I have no scientific facts or evidence to support that. That's just how I do it. And it uh, it keeps me
0: balanced. Uh, Ross, that's a brilliant point to end on because I'm an advocate for goal setting as well. And that's another podcast in itself. But um, we'll leave you go. Out to the gym, out working hard again. Absolute legend. See you, Ross. Thanks a million. Appreciate the results.